everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Solo Female Travel Podcast. Today, I am very, very excited because I, I, am, I will be interviewing the Backpacker Mom. She's someone that I have had on Instagram for a few months now, and I am always amazed by her pictures and like just like all her content. And she's a traveler. She's a mom. She's a photojournalist. And she starts a website that is, that is uh, thebackparkermom.com. And right now you're currently in Spain. So thank you so much for, ta for taking the time for me to interview you. And yeah, I mean, welcome. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to, uh, to be on the podcast with you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I know like you, we've been like, you know, exchanging some comments few and there, here and there. And it's like we were just talking about like, how your pictures in Morocco are so good and that you're traveling with your daughter. So it's like, I guess that will be my first question. How do you decide first to start traveling and then with your daughter? And, you know, how long have you been traveling? I don't know, like so many questions, but let's start with, um, with that one. Okay. So actually I have been traveling my whole life. Um, oh. I come from a family who also loves to travel. Um, So my mom, she used to pack all of us kids up and do cross-country road trips in the summer. Um, then, you know, we also had, um, you know, my mom was really big for international travel too. And so she's a big traveler and she always wanted to travel with us as well. So I just kind of, it was instilled in me at a young age to, it was just a, it was common knowledge in our household that, you know, you just you just travel with your family and your kids. And, mm -hmm. um, and my dad normally wasn't able to come with us either. So, you know, my mom was used to being like a solo parent traveling. So I grew up with a really strong, um, mom who as a, a, a figure for me, a public figure, where she was able to really set the tone for, for me to be able to do this now with my own daughter. So Yeah, I went on my first international trip when I was six, and we went to Israel. Wow, wow. Okay, and then it's just like, like, and then like your mom and how many kids? Just you or? Um, well, it was me. I grew up with non, not biological. I have a really big family. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> three siblings. Wow. Yeah. Um, but, uh, my mom only traveled, they were foster kids and adopted kids. So she didn't travel with all of them all the time. Um, she did travel mostly with her biological kids and that was the four of us. So, um, it was just my mom and us four kids. And like I said, we would pack up our 93 GMC suburban and head out for, you know, three, four months at a time. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. And then, and then once you had your daughter, it's like, you're like, okay, now it's my turn to start traveling on my own with her or. Um... Well, and then as I started getting older and then into adulthood, um, I actually, I joined the Navy when I was 21. And so I mm -hmm. got to do a lot of traveling as an adult by myself. And the Navy took me to a lot of really amazing places. And, you know, I always, I always had that drive, that wanderlust in me. Um, to travel and to explore, you know, like I said, it was, it was something that was very instilled at a young age. Yeah. Um, but then when I started a being able to do it as an adult and doing it on my own and making my own travel plans for the first time, instead of following my mom's travel plans, like there was this, you know, it's that wonderless addiction that it just, I got bit by the bug and there was no going back. 
Um, so when I had my daughter, I still have this, you know, driving passion to travel, to explore the photojournalist in me is I want to capture life and cultures and, and faces. And I was like, well, you know, just because I had my daughter doesn't mean that I have to stop. It just has, yeah. to, I have to change how I do things a little bit. So it's, uh, we had to adapt a little bit, but I mean, that little girl, she's been to eight countries and she's three. So <laughs> And she's been to 18 states in the U.S. Wow. And she's three. I, I, I haven't, I, I haven't uh, known her, but like, I have seen the, the pictures you post of her. And with mm-hmm. her, I'm like, she seems so fearless. It's like she's like next to a camel and she's super happy. And she's like, Yes, she know. is absolutely fearless. I mean, that girl, she's going to take the world by storm. Um, And that's one thing that I love, like outside of just wanting to travel, like the reason why I found it so beneficial with my mom traveling with me was that I grew up very open-minded to Mm. foods, clothes, religions, cultures. You know, I was able to be exposed to so many different kinds of cultures at a young and impressionable age that, you know, there, we had no we had no issues, you know, like that hesitation of, oh, well, we're going to the Middle East. So then we're right. dealing with, you know, an Arab community. Well, that's a very, very different community that we live in, you know, outside of like the United States. Yeah. And, you know, I was asked so many times, um, I've been to Israel three times. Uh-huh. I spent myself and once with my mom. And one thing that always stood out to me that my mom had said was that, you know, she had take she's gone to Israel eight times. And five, five of those times have been with children. She goes, you know, I have never been more respected as a person and as a woman than when I travel with my children to the Middle East, because they revere mothers, they honor mothers, they put, I mean, figuratively, of course, but it's like they put the palm leaves down in front of your feet while you walk kind of deal like um, yours. And especially I've seen it a lot as being, you know, a, a white mother and yeah. not, um, you know, I'm not in the same ethnicity as them. Yeah. So I think that they even respect it more because I am a very white woman <laughs> and traveling with my daughter. And I, I don't know, maybe it's how we carry ourselves and the fact that like, I don't go there being like, I try really hard not to be the ugly American anywhere I go. Yeah. Um, and I, so I think that because of that, you know, we have had nothing but amazing experiences every country we've ever traveled to. And that's another reason why I wanted to travel with my daughter was because I wanted her to have that same, that same thing where she was fearless um, and she was courageous and she wanted to go out and explore and be adventurous on her own one day. But also that I wanted her to be open-minded to you know, trying different foods and to all the different sights and things and textures that are around the world. And then, you know, observing and respecting different kinds of religions, even if it's not ours, like you can still understand and learn enough about a religion to respect it and to um, appreciate the differences between people, um, different cultures. I mean, like, I love taking her to different cultures. And then she just she dives right in now. I mean, she was, you know, obviously she was hesitant when she was little, but, um, 
you know, like when we were in Fiji, she was not even two years old when we were in Fiji. And I have all these cute pictures of us up in the villages of Fiji in the highlands outside of Nadi. And they, she, there's all these pictures of her just running around with all the little village kids and they're just holding her hand and they're kissing her face. And, and she just was like, mommy, my friends, you've known these kids for five minutes, but absolutely your friends, your friends all around the world now. Wow, that's, that, <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, and she's three now, I'm just thinking like all the stories she will have to tell, I don't know, when she's a teenager, right, because this is just the beginning. <laughs> I know, and like, with all of the, the pandemic issues that are going on right now, mm-hmm. obviously, we, are, we aren't able to travel, but had we been able to travel, um, as of right now, she would have hit, she's eight, well, she would have been at 17 countries by now instead of eight. Wow. And we had a lot of trips planned because this is our first summer living in Spain. Um, so we're st- we've only been here for since September of last year. So we've tried to travel at least once a month since, since being here. And sometimes it's around Spain. Sometimes it's out of the country. Um, you know, road trip over to Portugal, take the ferry down to Morocco, whatever. Um, but obviously that's a long, that's on hold for right now, but that's okay. That's that'll make right. it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything's on hold right now. <laughs> and has, right. She been, has she been getting exposed to the languages? Like for example, now that you guys are living in Spain, has she been getting like exposed to Spanish? Yes. So um, there's actually, so my husband, he's military, which is how we are living here is that he's stationed here with the military. And they, we did have the option of taking her to like a daycare or a school here on base. But I believe that if you're going to live somewhere that's not the United States and is not your hometown or state, like you need to immerse yourself in where you live. So we live off base. We live outside of where like the, the big communities of Americans are because I wanted to immerse myself in Spanish living. And so we live further out of town she goes to a spanish daycare where they primarily speak spanish to her there's one lady who only she's only there in the afternoon for a few hours who speaks english but the woman who owns it she speaks not a lick of english and my daughter seems to get along just fine and i think that it's good to expose her at such a young age i mean she could be bilingual or trilingual by the time we leave so I just, I want her to be able to keep, you know, take advantage of every opportunity that we have here because, you know, we're only here for so long and who knows if we're going to be able to continue getting stationed overseas or if we're just going to go back to the U.S. So it's about making the most of your time. No, definitely. No, wow. And you said like about, you know, what traveling with your daughter, you have to, you know, adapt, like adapt to a different way of traveling. So what has been some of those adaptations that, that you have to, you know, um, to do? Well, English is not my first language, so, <laughs> uh, so, so what, what are some those adaptations in traveling that you have to take when traveling with their, when you start traveling with your daughter? Like, um, it's like, so traveling with children is you have to adapt for that. And then traveling alone with children is a whole nother adaptation. So like when my husband is actually able to travel with us, we have to 
readapt ourselves because we're so accustomed to just her and I traveling that we have to remember, oh yeah, we, we can let daddy in. We can, <laughs> we can include him in, in the travel and the experiences. Um, the biggest thing that I had to deal with to adapt was slowing down. Um, mm. My husband, he loves sharing this horror story when we were on our honeymoon and, and, and we were in Rome. And I was like, one more museum, one more museum. Oh no, we can, we don't have to get lunch right now. Like one more, we'll go to the ruins. We'll just one more thing. And he's just like, baby, like you have got to feed me. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I'm used to just to being a, up in the early, you stay out late, you take every minute and you make the most of every minute because, you know, like I said, you never know when you're going to have the opportunity to come back to some of these places yeah. and if ever. And so like, to me, sleeping in on vacations is not a thing <laughs> because you have to, you know, yeah. take advantage of your yeah. time. Yeah. Um, and then I had to learn about nap times on how oh. do we do that while traveling. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things that you do as a parent to help accustom your children to um, ambient noises so that way they can kind of sleep anywhere. And so really her being able to be such a good traveler now started with her very first plane ride when she was six weeks old <laughs> and it was exposing her early and getting her just accustomed to these things at such a young age that it's, it's second nature to her now. And I think that's where a lot of parents, they, they, worry and they struggle yeah. with that because they're fearful of traveling with their kids at a young age like that or they're fearful of traveling with their kids alone yeah. um it's a justifiable you know concern it's it's not easy all the time but that's what I always say it's like you know it's not always easy but it is yeah. always it definitely I mean and I, I believe like it might be difficult at the beginning because of that adaptation time but then after a few weeks or a month, like the, the kids like, adapt so quick that I believe that, as you said, like now it's second nation for her and she's three. Absolutely. And children, I mean, children are resilient. We always oh, think yeah. as parents that, you know, there's only so much that they can handle. And that's true. But you yeah. never know how much they can really handle until you present them with a chance to actually do that. Um, so we have spent a lot of time. Um, there have been a lot of road trips and a lot of plane rides and planes, trains, boats. I mean, we've done it all. Um, and the best advice I can ever give a parent or somebody who wants to travel and then wants to still travel when they do have kids sometime in the future is start them early. Because wow. it makes a huge difference and always carry snacks. That was a big one was that. <laughs> yeah it's amazing what your child will do yeah you don't want a, a grumpy kid because he's hungry <laughs> always carry snacks like I even keep snacks in my car because even though like we're not taking long road trips right now um I've always kept snacks and a little toy bin in the car because it helps keep her entertained and engaged and you never know when they can just have a hangry moment so oh yeah always come prepared <laughs> Wow. Okay. Those are great advices. And so from all your travels, what has been your be best experience so far? Oh gosh. I know. I know it's, it's a hard question. I always it get, 
It's I mean, like the hardest question. <laughs> I know. Just to pick one is like, I know, but it's uh, maybe one by continent or one. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's too many answers. Um, I know, there's so many answers. Um, I think that's what, it's hard to narrow it down because yeah. every state, every country, like they all have something unique um, to offer. Yeah, I will say that probably one of my favorite experiences thus far was when we went to Laos and Vietnam when I took oh. my daughter there when she was um, when she was 11 months old. So wow, um, my dad. The story behind that is my dad. He's a Vietnam veteran of the from the Vietnam War, and he always wanted to go back to Vietnam as like a you know closure kind of trip, and there was one day I was up back home in Alaska visiting my parents and my mom goes, well, you, your dad wants to go, go to Vietnam and I have no desire to go to Asia. Okay. Well, yeah, Asia sounds cool. And she goes, okay, I think you should go with them. You know, you're a veteran and he's a veteran. And I think that would be a great trip. Yeah. I think you both should go. And I was like, oh, okay. She goes, oh, and by the way, I think you should go before the end of the year. Mind you, it's May. She goes, yeah, you should go before the end of the year. Um, that's that's a lot um but it was amazing you know so it was my dad and myself and my daughter she's like I said she was 11 months old and we spent three weeks going making like a big c-shape from the very bottom of Laos and then going up into the hills and then cutting across the border and then coming all the way back down and we left out of Ho Chi Minh City out of Vietnam Mm -hmm. so we were able to experience the highlands, the lowlands of two different countries, and the food was amazing. The people were so, so sweet. Yeah. I mean, the the Lao people just embraced my daughter. Like they, I can't even tell you how many free bottles of water, like cold water, I was given because her face was like all all red and cheeky because it's it was hot and. Even in November, it was hot. <laughs> and so I kept getting like fans and hats and wow. cold bottles of water. And they uh, they just loved my daughter. And they kept talking about, because her eyes are, they're blue. And there's this, uh-huh. um, apparently there's this uh, tale that they've been told about how blue eyes are the signs of the gods. And so children who have blue eyes are blessed with that deity from the gods and so everybody kept coming up to her to me and while I was carrying her and they would be patting like right underneath there I was like oh oh baby oh and and they just they wanted to kiss her and touch her hands and um a translator of ours was like you know they they think that she is a child of the gods and they think that with just being able to touch her hands and to kiss her face that um they're being blessed oh how amazing is that? And wow, yeah, it was one of those was like, you know, I had no idea that that was, that was even a thing. And, you know, I, I learned something amazing about their culture and their religion. And um, like I said, we just, we were so welcomed and we were so well taken care of the whole time that we were there from random street vendors or to merchants, to the people who we stayed at the hotel, like they always made sure that they would upgrade our room as soon as they saw my daughter, like they would find us the next biggest size room, even if we didn't order that room or pay for that room, like they just wanted to make sure that we were the most comfortable we could be. So 
Um, it's hard to pick just one story, but I if know. I was if I was to pick one, that would probably be that would probably be it. That's amazing! Wow, <laughs> and I know, I know, like it's always hard to pick just one, but we like sometimes we usually like have like one that is like stands out, like this one, like. I didn't know about the the kids with blue eyes. I know, like when I, I, I don't have blue eyes, but <laughs> but I I remember like yeah, like everyone like touching. I thought like they believe that if they touch a part of your body that they like, it's like their kids will will get it. Like they had that belief. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I remember them touching like everyone and like yeah, but I didn't. Wow. About the that that's amazing. It just. I just learned something new. <laughs> we can learn something new. Yeah. Um, and then this is my last question for you. And I'm I'm pretty sure you're gonna give amazing answers. But like what is like the five biggest lessons, like life lessons you have learned while traveling? Like on your own the and with five. your daughter. Five. Um the first one is always try the food. Okay. Even if it looks weird or it's not something you would normally eat, always try the food because there have been some amazing cuisines I have tried around the world. Like I knew nothing about the cuisine in Croatia when I went, but mm. oh my gosh, there was a woman who I I follow on Instagram and she just finished writing a Croatian um, uh, cookbook and I was one of the first people to buy it because I missed that food. It was so good. Um, so I always sit, tell people like, always try the food, always step outside of your comfort zone, because if you don't, you're going to kind of look back on that trip and you're either going to feel like you didn't get enough out of it. And that's going to lead to resentments to either that country or to traveling in general. And it's not going to leave you with that feel good feeling that we chase after, um, when we travel and the, you know, to go through these experiences. I know like my little, my older brother, what he was one of his trips to Israel was that he did not want to eat any of the ethnic foods. He wanted to have chocolate cereal and fruit and like, I think it was like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I mean, like he stayed so American in his, in his cuisine when he was there. And now, I mean, 30 years later, he's like, you know, I really, I really missed out. Like, oh. and he hasn't been able to travel very much since, you know, he was a teenager. And so, he was like, you know, I really, I really missed out. I wish I would have, you know, and I, I always think that it's such a shame if you leave a trip saying, I wish I would have definitely um, for anything. And then, um, my second one would be to, um, would be to be adventurous, mm -hmm. you know, maybe not always like, don't just stay in the touristy areas of wherever you're traveling to. Like, yeah don't go to Rome and just see the Vatican, like go to Rome and get lost, go wander the streets, go eat at this little adorable cafe that's been owned by the same family for a hundred years. Um, you know, like get lost, get immersed into the countries and the foods and the communities of wherever you're going. Um, yeah. and I know in some places it's hard to do that. Like when we were in Fiji, the hotel that we were staying at was like a resort Island. Um, it's actually in, it's like Tuvia Island. It's a man-made island that's just off of Nadi, the city. And it's made by like 
all of the big name, fancy resort hotels. And so that's where we were staying, but we never stayed there, you know, like that's where we slept, but we did not spend our three weeks in Fiji just staying there. We took road trips all around the coast. We went and found like these little fruit stands on the side of the road. We went shopping in town because that helps support local. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, it's a big deal. You know, that's part of the reason why you should want to travel is to support the economy of wherever you're going. Definitely. So that's why that's, an, that's number two is to be adventurous and to get away from touristy stuff. Go, go get in the Perfect. culture, get in the local. Um, let's see. Number three would be, um, know a little bit of the language before you go. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> that's a big one. You know, people don't think about that because they have Google translate. And I think technology has made people really lazy in that aspect, mm. but it's like, you know, even if you just know a few things, like a few specific things to like how to order off the menu, um, you know, help bathroom, how much does it cost? a few numbers so you can try and haggle and negotiate with people. Um, obviously like if you're traveling to the Middle East and the different Arabic dialects that are there, like obviously those are a little bit harder, but, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, but if you're like, traveling around Europe, I mean, yes, you can't just say, Oh, but everybody speaks English. And I was like, well, no, they don't actually. Cause I can attest to that. I live in a tiny town called Chipiona and I can tell you it's about a one to 20 ratio that of people who actually speak English. So you need to know enough to get by without yeah. relying on, on Google Translate because you might not have service either. And if that's what you're relying on, then you're kind yes. of, you're stuck. So no, yeah, always know, always know a little bit of the, of the language. Definitely. And I, and I have found out like people are way more receptive when they see you trying to speak in their language. And they, they actually, they help you. Um, yes. Cause they want to share that with you, you know, like, they don't want you to be like, um, like <laughs> when I, I was in high school, I got to do an exchange student program for, for art in mm-hmm. Paris and in Italy. So I got to spend six months in Paris and Italy. And I remember we went with this French class. Now, granted, this French class was from Arkansas. And so they speak with a, with an accent. So it was like, bonjour and bonsoir and s'il vous plaît. And so it was very painful to listen to. It's not as smooth and buttery like French is supposed to be. Um, But even the Parisians were as much as they probably wanted to rip their ears off. Because it's not as smooth as what they would like their language to be. They still, you know, they helped everybody in our group because we were, you know, we were asking, we were trying, um, even I, like, I didn't speak very much French, but I knew enough to get by and it, they were able to, to help me along. That, that's awesome. Okay. So, uh, number four, number four, um, plan ahead. Like, Mm. I know that's kind of a, it's a silly one to think about. Um, but what I really like to do is, I mean, obviously you want to plan because, you know, you need a place to stay and place to fly into. Like, a, that's kind of like a, a really broad statement. But, I mean, more specifically plan, um, know what you're going, where you're going, and like what you're getting into. Yeah. And then once you're there, throw the book out the window kind of deal. Like, mm. there is something truly, truly special about just getting lost. Like, put the map away. And get your eyes off your phone, off the Google map, and just 
get lost yeah. and find, see what amazing things you can find. You know, there's some of the best experiences I've had was just running into this little patisserie that is off the main street that you never would have found. But like I said, you know, back to, back to <laughs> one of my main points before is, you know, that's, that's where the, the true treasures really lie is it's not, and you'll find better prices there too. Like mm-hmm. get away from the touristy stuff because yeah. you're going to find better quality, better prices and better people, true people of wherever you're traveling to. That's where you're going to find them is when you get lost. Yeah, actually it's the tone. I will say like 98% of my best experiences has been from when I get lost. And Absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, but yeah, it's also important to plan ahead. It's like when you said that, I was like, ouch, because I never planned. So, <laughs> and because of that, I have had to sleep on the airport floors and like, oh, I didn't know about this visa thing. I know, horrible. Yeah, that's now. not good. <laughs> I know. Well, the visa thing, that was a little weird. So like uh, with the Navy, I was able to travel to so many different countries and I didn't have the visa for many of them because we were pulling into ports with the military. So I didn't have to do that. So the very first time I ever filled out a visa application was when I took my dad to Laos and Vietnam. And Mm -hmm. I didn't just have to do mine. I had to do mine and my daughter's and my dad's. And I had to make sure I didn't mess up any of them because if I messed up one... Yeah, and they're very strict with that over there. Yes. Okay. And then um, the fifth one is kind of a silly one because I'm not going to relate it to just traveling like as a parent because that's, that's a whole other different list. Yeah. Um, but my fifth one is always check your spelling. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because if you don't check your spelling before you hit buy – or before they print off your ticket and they've printed it off wrong, um, you might have an issue getting your ticket or your plane or your passport or um, your reservation even. Like I had a friend, she didn't check her spelling. Her name was off by one one letter and she had to pay $200 to rent a car. Like she was just renting a car in Scotland and she had to pay $200 to get it changed for her reservation, which was actually more expensive than her original reservation. So it can be a very, very costly, you know, for one letter, you know, yeah. sometimes we have like what's called like the fat finger syndrome where yeah. you hit the keys on the other. Yeah. Yeah. I triple check my spelling when it comes to that because it can be a very, very painful and scary experience. Um, when we were flying back from Vietnam, we, I didn't set up my tickets that time. Um, my mom had one of her real estate, or not real estate, uh, travel agent friends mm-hmm. um, help go through just for the, the airplane. Um, so all the flights she had done. And apparently when we left the United States, they had messed up my daughter's name, but nobody oh, caught it. No. Okay. When we were trying to leave Vietnam, they said, your daughter is not getting on that plane. Mm. And I said, excuse me, what? What am I going to do? Leave her here? She's 11 months old. Like, I'm sorry, she's getting on that plane. And it literally, and I was, it was grateful that we had gotten to the airport 
several hours before we were supposed to leave because I don't mess with international flights and customs and stuff. I get there crazy early just because better safe than sorry. And that was one of these times where if we had cut it close, we would not have made it on our flight back to the United States. Wow. One letter. So that is like a, it's like I said, it sounds silly, but man, it can be a very time costly, expensive, costly, um, mishap that will haunt you forever. Well, I've never had had that experience, but I just imagine like being in like, you know, different country and a different continent it's like oh no like you or your daughter can get on the plane or like what am I supposed to do now <laughs> right uh what my visa expires in two days so it's not like I can stay here oh yeah. uh, <laughs> I can't leave my dad and have him travel across the world because by himself because he doesn't travel well by himself so he couldn't go by himself so yeah it was it was a very scary uh, very strenuous experience and I'm grateful that we were able to get figured out and we were still yeah. able to get on the plane and no problems with that but yes wow okay <laughs> well Felicia I mean I don't have any more questions for you but like everything you shared was amazing and seriously you're just setting the example for so many months that I just scared to get out and explore and it's like no it's possible I am doing it do it if you that's what I tell people is that you know if you really set your mind to it if that's something you really want to do you know if you have no desire to travel or to take you know to do more than a road trip with your family or you know if you don't have a heart to travel then it doesn't really apply to you but if you do and you're afraid that you can't travel by yourself I actually have this conversation um I do a weekly meeting of moms here in Spain with the military moms because they're so worried about traveling by themselves without their spouses. Mm. I was like, you know, it's kind of like a motivational weekly motivational conversations. Like, no, like you can do it. And if you want to do it, like, I believe in you, you can do it. You can do anything you put your mind to. And, and wow. Never let fear stop you from doing and experiencing the things that you want to do. That's, that's amazing. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And I just can't wait to see more pictures of your daughter and you guys. And uh, I was just checking your stories before the interview and it's just like, just the cutest. Yeah. <laughs>